0: Hey everyone, I'm Yasmin Nori, and you're listening to the Behind Her Empire podcast. I'm on a mission to showcase successful, self made women who share honest stories and lessons of what it really takes to create the life you want and build your own empire. If you've been listening to the show, you know, just like you, I've been on my own personal journey to build my empire. I've recently started a new business called Bia that helps women tackle their period problems and hormonal imbalances using a natural Whole Foods approach. If you're suffering from bad cramps, irregular periods, fatigue, bloating, stay tuned because a little bit later in the podcast, I'll share a bit more about my company, Bia. But for now, let's jump into today's episode. I want to welcome this week's guest, Anastasia Soire, to our show today. Anastasia is the founder and CEO of Anastasia Beverly Hills, one of the fastest growing brands in the beauty industry. Anastasia's story is truly incredible. She moved to the US from Romania without speaking any English, no connections, and very little financial means. She settled in LA and started working at a salon focusing on eyebrows, which wasn't common back then. Little did she know that her brow shaping technique, which she later patented as the golden ratio eyebrow shaping model, would become a celebrity favorite, a beloved product line, and a billion dollar empire. Anastasia's work has graced the faces of Jennifer Lopez, Kim Kardashian, Oprah Winfrey, Victoria Beckham, and so much more. And her brand has more than 20 million followers across Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. In this episode, Anastasia shares her inspiring story of starting from scratch in a new country without knowing anyone, her relentlessness in creating a new category for and service at a time where that wasn't a thing and how she pushed through multiple instances of people not believing in her or her vision. Her path has not been easy and we get a real behind the scenes look in her journey, building her business over the past 25 years and how she continues to reinvent herself through social media, product innovation, partnerships, and so much more. Welcome to the show, Anastasia. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I've always been inspired by you, definitely a big fan of your product, but you coming on this podcast and me doing even more research on you, I love you a hundred times more. I'm like, you are so inspiring and such a real deal. I'm excited to jump into it because there's a lot for us to talk about today. (laughs) I'd actually love to do us justice and actually start by the early, early days of your life. You know, I'm really inspired by the women in your family you grew up in Romania during a time of communist regime and your mother had her own tailor business that supported the family. So what was that like really growing up with having such a strong female role model like your mom in your life? Well, my grandmother and my mother,
1: they were very strong women that I look up to them and I learned so much from them. My grandfather went to second war and she was home. With five kids, she needed to take care of the farm and, and the kids. And then my mother, of course, my father died when I was 12. So she needed to take care of her business and to survive. Yeah. So very strong. I mean, the survivor, if you think of most of emigrant stories are kind of like mine. I think every time I hear somebody's story, an emigrant story, I feel like, oh my God, we have so much in common yeah. because everybody, doesn't matter if you came from Romania, you came from India, whatever,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you have kind of a story that that's the reason why you left because you wanted a better life for you and your family.
0: Exactly. Just taking me to the next element of your life, you Left Romania, right for a better life. I believe you were thirty-two at the time. Your daughter Claudia was just two years old, right? You barely spoke English. Not a uh, spring chicken.
1: I was quite old. Yeah. To start, you know, something new—it's crazy. I have days when I look back and I'm thinking, what I was thinking? (laughs)
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I'm sure there was so much going on in your country, but can you kind of paint a picture because? You've grown up there. Obviously, your mom had a business. Like, What was a country like when you were deciding that I need to start something better for myself and family?
1: The situation in the late 70s, early 80s was very difficult in Romania. We have no electricity, no heat in the winter, no food. It was very, very difficult, very difficult. And even if, let's say, my mother used to have clients that they were influential in the city and will be able to have deliver food, it really, it was very upsetting for me that my neighbors, the people around me didn't have. So it's not enough to have yourself. You want to see people around you Mm -hmm. have a decent life. You didn't want anything extra, but a decent life. And we couldn't buy bread. You know, there were huge lines. And I thought like, this is milk for kids. I thought like, I can't, I can't do this. I cannot do this here. I need to get out of here because It is very difficult.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I'm curious. So you were older, per se, like 32. You had a kid. You didn't speak any English. What was the hardest part about you really leaving behind everything and starting from scratch, arriving in, I believe, Beverly Hills was where you first arrived?
1: First, I arrived in Sherman Oaks in Los Angeles. It was very, very difficult. And probably the most difficult part was that I didn't speak the language. Not only that, everything was foreign for me. The only thing that I was ever kind of, I had an idea what Los Angeles was, I watched over and over two movies, Beverly Hills Cup with Eddie Murphy and Pretty Woman with Julia Roberts and and that shopping on Rodeo Drive. And this was my idea of Hollywood and Beverly Hills. You know, nothing else because we didn't have TV. We did, I mean, mm-hmm. we had TV, but it was all propaganda, communist propaganda. So we didn't have any access to the West. So it was very difficult, I have to say. When I landed here, I realized how difficult my life would be. Not only I left all my family there and everything mm-hmm. I had, but I came here with nothing, having nobody knowing nobody and not speaking the language on top of everything.
0: Oh my gosh. And I think I was listening to another interview you did and you were saying you were crying nonstop for yeah. like six months.
1: The first six months I cried nonstop and I wish I could go back, but oh. we couldn't because my husband will be put in jail and, it was impossible at that time. So no way of turning back.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, you had the mentality of, okay, you're here, you need to make something of yourself. And I know, you know, you're now known as the eyebrow queen, but it didn't start out that way at all, which was interesting when I was learning more about you. In fact, your first job had nothing to do with eyebrows. So tell us a little bit more about that first job you had and how you ended up pivoting into now eyebrows. Well, I waited to come here because my husband was ship captain.
1: He defected the ship in Italy. He came here asking for political asylum. And I waited three years. The -hmm. Romanian government will not let me come here. So that time he suggested I should go to beauty school because I didn't speak the language and would be very difficult for me to get a job. And I went to beauty school in Romania without even ever thinking that I'm going to be an esthetician. So I came here. I thought my husband having an international license, he would be able to get the job. Well, we realized when we came here that you need to be an American citizen. So we had the green card, but not citizenship. So he couldn't get the job. And I had to, to get the job myself and I started working as an esthetician. So I came here July 29, 89. And in 1990, in April, I got the job as an esthetician because I met a Romanian lady here that was pregnant, and Mm -hmm. she wanted to take three months off. And of course, we had a conversation and she said, look, I will tell you exactly what to do. I will introduce you. But when I come back three months later, you have to leave because I need to get my job back. And I thought, absolutely. I love to learn at least something. Three months will be a great experience for me. So I started working as an esthetician doing facial and body waxing.
0: Oh my gosh. I actually did not know you were there just for temporarily per se because she was on maternity leave. So then when you were doing facials and body waxing, what was a pivot that you got into eyebrows? Like what really happened? Cause that really changed the course of your career. So after three months, when she came
1: back, the owner loved me and they asked me to stay as a permanent position. And I started working by I should say, six months later, I became very busy. I wanted to learn. I wanted to learn from them. I will clean their desk. I will cut the strips. I will do anything because I wanted to learn. I was like a sponge. I wanted to understand. I didn't know any I mean, you don't understand. It's like if I will take you right now and drop you on Mars or <laughs> yeah. on the moon, it was exactly wow, how it was for me.
0: Oh my gosh!
1: And it was absolutely this desire to learn and to find out what is going on and how I could learn more and how I could become better. After six months, I went to the Donor and I said, "I don't know, but in Romania, before I will go to my esthetician, before she will do give me a facial, she will tweeze my eyebrows." And she she mentioned like, yeah, but your eyebrows, you look surprised all the time. And actually, my eyebrow was pencil thin and round because in the 80s, that was the fashion. And actually, I looked in the mirror and I thought like, she's right. In all my pictures that I looked in Romania, I look surprised because the eyebrow was very round and thin. So I remember my art teacher talking and introduced me to the Leonardo da Vinci theory that he applied in all his painting and all his studying on golden ratio. And I thought, well, he studied the entire face and body, but he never paid attention to eyebrows. He never talked about eyebrows. And I started going to the library and kind of slowly finding a way to fix my own eyebrows. So everything started fixing my own eyebrows. So the moment I change the shape of my eyebrows, I will have clients telling me, wow, you look rested. I don't know, did you cut your hair? What is different about you? They didn't know it was eyebrows, but they knew something was different in a nice way. So I shared with them what I changed and I start slowly to shape their eyebrows. Didn't even charge them. But because I was booked for one hour for facial, I would be late for my next client. So the owner didn't want me to do eyebrows anymore. And I went there and I said, look, I think we should definitely do this service. And her answer was, I don't think people will pay for this. So she didn't allow me to do that. And I stayed there for a year and a half and I decide one Sunday Because I really believed in eyebrows. I really believe that is a mathematical formula. The human eye is encoded to recognize that balance and proportion that the eyebrow does changes completely the face. I remember my art teacher telling us how drawing a portrait, you change an emotion by changing the eyebrows when you draw the portrait. So I started reading a lot, going to the library and slowly trying to create, really working on this theory that shaping eyebrows according to everybody's bone structure and natural shape using golden ratio. So without even knowing, I started developing the technique, obviously, because I really was passionate and I was curious to find out how interesting everything that I learned in art classes It applies to human face and the shape of the eyebrows. So one Sunday I went home, I bought an LA Times and I said to my husband, I want to open my own business. I'm going to rent a space in a Beverly Hills salon. And this is what I did. Was Juan Juan Salon across the street from Neiman Marcus and Sachs. And I rented a tiny little room and I started doing facial body waxing and eyebrows as well.
0: out of commission for at least a week every single month, and that adds up to three months in every year. Other than feeling frustrated that my really bad periods were keeping me from pursuing my actual goals, I knew that something wasn't right Seed cycling is the simple process of using food as medicine to naturally support your hormones. It uses four different types of seeds, yes, actual seeds, throughout your menstrual cycle to support the balance of hormones like progesterone and estrogen, If you or anyone you know has been struggling with hormonal imbalances or bad periods, go to beawellness.com/slash free. Once again, it's beawellness.com/slash free to download our free guide to our top tips in tackling hormonal imbalances and to learn more about our seed cycling bundle. We included this link in the show notes along with a promo code for $10 off for all of our behind her empire listeners. I know you're gonna love seed cycling just as much as I do. Thanks for listening. Listening, and now let's get back to the show. So I have a lot of questions here. So kind of going back to, you know, it's interesting that you really dive deeper into eyebrows and learning more in the library because of your own eyebrows. So was it you working on other women that would come in that really gave you the confidence to say, you know what, there's something here I want to go off on your own. Like, where did that courage come from for you to leave the salon and go off on your own?
1: Because I realized that we all have a different... And again, I studied the human face for drawing purposes in art class and how you are able to create from a white piece of paper, how with pencil, you draw a portrait. Just using light and dark, you are able to create the portrait. And what you needed to, the guideline to create the perfect face was to use the golden ratio. So the three zones and how you, you know, this side, the face is partitioned in five areas, this way in three. So there are some rules that Leonardo kind of put down. And I, again, I read and went to the library and I wanted to find out, and I realized that eyebrows, it's such an important element on our face that changes completely our face. And I really believe this is science. This is nothing to do with uh, everything else. This is scientific. This is the golden ratio. The human eye is encoded to recognize that balance and proportion. The best shape eyebrow will bring a harmony within the face just because it's perfectly shaped and balanced. Yeah. So it was like in nature, like in art, in architecture, it's everywhere, you know, that golden ratio. So yeah, I believed in that and I started working because I had clients with all sorts of eyebrow shape, bone structure, space between the eyebrow and the eye. So it's, it was, it took years. This didn't happen overnight. Yeah. yeah.
0: Right
1: now, this this doesn't happen. It took many years to get to the final formula.
0: Absolutely. And it's incredible because, you know, you even saying at the time you wanted to do people's eyebrows and your boss said no one's going to pay for that. Like, it's incredible because we all get our eyebrows done now. But back then it oh. was you were disrupting. For two years, I didn't even
1: charge the service because wow. people didn't think that, oh, this is a paid service.
0: Yeah, That's really amazing Anastasia. So you get this room and I know you ended up really building out your business and you know, before you even got your own dedicated store. So how are you creating awareness and really marketing? Because you had to educate so many people too, because this wasn't something everybody was doing.
1: Yes. Number one was my clients were my walking advertising. First of all, eyebrow, everybody were like, of course, The client will see herself like, wow, this eyebrow changes. They start coming every three weeks to get their eyebrows done. Not only that, they will tell the sister, the mother, the best friend, everyone, their agent, their celebrity star, everyone. It was the best, by 94, eyebrow shaping by Anastasia was the best kept secret in Hollywood. Not only that, remember, across the street was Neiman Marcus, I Magnin, and Sachs. There were three department stores that they were makeup artists. In the 90s, remember, people didn't used to get their makeup done unless they went to a, an award ceremony, a wedding, a special event. So mm-hmm. they would go to the makeup artists at Neiman Marcus or department store and they will get their makeup done. Well, the makeup artists kind of realized that it's so much easier, faster. The eye makeup looks better if the eyebrow is shaped. So they start sending me clients because they will ask their clients. are like, oh, I go to Anastasia. She cleans my eyebrows. And like they start sending me before somebody will get their makeup. They will send them to get their eyebrows done. So this is kind of how it all
0: started. I know, word of mouth. And I think you had like every celebrity, every model, right? In the 90s coming to your, not even your own store at the time. Yes, yes. Oh my gosh, that's incredible. You know, I actually want to ask you a question that I haven't heard you talk a lot about in interviews, but before you really took the next big step in your career, which was you ultimately getting your own store, before all that, you actually went back home to Romania after the country recovered from a revolution. So, I'm curious, you know, while you were there, did you ever consider moving back home to your home country? Or did you know I have something special in California and I want to build my life there?
1: Yeah, actually, I wanted in 94. I went back to move back. It was the wow. earthquake in California. My That's right. apartment was destroyed. I thought like, okay, no, I can't deal with this. I'm away from my family. I'm going to move back. I went there and after 10 days, I realized that this is not my place. I need to go back. And I think it was a great moment for me to understand that I build, I'm going to build a life in Los Angeles, in United States. Even so, I always miss my family, yeah. but my core, my family, my dream will be happen here.
0: And what was it about going home? Did you just realize like the opportunity isn't here like how I have in LA? What was that
1: turning point? Opportunities, the way people will support you to build a business, the way everything around you, even the system, the bureaucratic system in Romania was, no, it didn't
0: work. Oh my gosh, things we take for granted here, right? You just- many things for granted here. I know, I know well so you you came back home right to or your other home beverly hills from romania and i know at that point you wanted to secure your own space but as you've mentioned in your whole life's journey like nothing has come easy to you at all so can you tell me how you successfully ended up renting your now iconic space
1: well for a while i was looking to open a salon because after i came back i knew i would not go move back to romania i thought like This is why I came here and I have to scale the business. I cannot be in one room for the rest of my life. I have to do something. That's why I risked my life. I came here. I left my family. I need to do something. I need to pursue the American dream. (laughs) And I said, I'm going to open a salon. But in my mind was like, I want only in Beverly Hills. And I went around with a friend on the streets of Beverly Hills and I thought like, oh my God, this is expensive, but I have to do it. I cannot go in any other place. So this space that I'm renting right now, 438 North Bedford was empty for two years because if you remember, I mean, you are too young, but in 96, the economy was really bad in Los Angeles and the space was empty for two years and i went the owner office was exactly across the street and i went to his office with the broker and i told him that i want to rent the space and he asked me what i do and i said well i do eyebrows and he looked at me and he said lady this is beverly hills you can't pay rent doing eyebrows <laughs> And I had the booklet with all the magazines, articles that I had. And I said, oh, I work with so many celebrities. And I promise you, if you rent me the space, I'm going to make the street so famous. (laughs) He didn't really believe me. And I had to stay there for an hour or two to convince him that he should rent me the space. I didn't want to take no as an answer. And yeah. I said, look, this space is empty for two years. Yeah. Give me a chance for six months. What do you have to lose? It's empty anyway. Give me a chance for six months. If I don't make it, if I cannot pay the rent and I'm not busy, I will leave myself. I will go in and work in and rent another little room. So, I mean, I brought logic to his equation. And of course, he gave me the space. Two weeks later, so I like very little changes to the space. I wanted to move. Two weeks later, the man calls the front desk and say, can I talk with Anastasia? So I get on the phone and he said, well, I come here very early in the morning at six o'clock. So from my window, I could see the entrance of your shop. And you open the store at nine and by eight o'clock, there are women waiting outside. What did you say you are doing there? (laughs) It's like, I told you I'm going to make this street famous. You didn't believe me. So yeah, so it was very busy, the salon from the beginning. And it was wonderful to see that my client really supported me. They encouraged me. Mm. It was really very nice to see the support that I got from my clients.
0: Yeah, because I mean, seeing your growth, you know, you were going from the room and then taking that lease in Beverly Hills, like the landlord was saying. I mean, that's not an easy I mean, it's quite expensive. You're taking a risk. And I'm always curious about your story. Like, where did that confidence come from, the courage? And it seems like your community, your clients were really supporting you.
1: I think Working with so many celebrities, I think they gave me the validation, the confidence that, yeah. hey, they are following me. They come every month. They believe in me. They mm. believe that what I do is amazing. So this is yeah. what the confidence is. Number one, trying to be a master of my craft. I wanted to be the best in doing whatever I was doing. To me, yeah. that was more important than anything else, because I knew if I am I master my craft, then everybody is going to believe in you. I wanted excellence. I didn't want mediocre. I wanted to be excellent, to be the best. And I think we all, we all want that in everything.
0: You know, at this time, you're having celebrities come, your store is completely packed And, you know, so much of your business is literally growing one eyebrow at a time, which I just so (laughs) respect, right? You don't hear these stories enough. And again, it wasn't like a year in time. This was years in the making before you even had products. So I'm curious, you know, you didn't have any business plan at the time, but what was your motivation to start the next line of products for yourself? Because that took you to an entirely new level.
1: So I was shaping eyebrows and obviously there were women that they had over tweeze eyebrow, never tweeze eyebrows. They had really eyebrows that they needed to be filled in. And I used to mix eyeshadow with aloe vera and Vaseline to create this pomade. And there were no brushes. And I decide to, because the clients will say, well, Anastasia, my eyebrow looks good when I leave. But after I take a shower, I I see the over tweeze or the empty spot. I need the products that you mixed here." So I went to Italy and I decided I'm going to do product. What I did. So was a necessity. And not only Mm. remember that... There were not other products that I could take yeah. this pencil to a lab and say, hey, can you make me 10 of this or a thousand of this? I had to create a products based on every single problem the client will have. Mm-hmm. So it was a very authentic product that will perform the best for whatever the client problem will have, whatever kind of the eyebrows will have, whatever the dry skin, oily skin, straight hair, curly hair, a scar, whatever it was, light eyebrows, dark eyebrows. So everything that my clients had, and I was lucky enough being in Beverly Hills to have clients from everywhere, from everywhere. And it was a joy for me to see the client getting up from my chair, looking in the mirror and she, her, she will have a smile on her face. To me, that was, she will give me all that energy that she will, I will be recharged because I used to work from eight o'clock morning to 10 o'clock at night, long hours, long hours.
0: I know, and the next question that I have, cause you had brought that up. I know, you know, Nordstrom ended up coming to you, right? I'd love to hear that story for, and I have a few follow-up questions just from that overall time period in your life. I mean, I had so much
1: press because I was working with so many celebrity, and Nordstrom. Uh, that time, uh, their buyer, the VP of uh, Beauty, Del Crichton and Peggy Mansour, they visit the salon and they told me that they want to carry our products there. And I said, "Well, that would be great, but I need to have the service as well because at that time, the client didn't." know how to fill in eyebrows, how do I need to use powder in my eyebrows, that the concept, it didn't exist. So I wanted to have a statistician that will wax the eyebrows, and will, will kind of educate the client how to fill in their eyebrows. So it was, you know, I convinced Nordstrom's and they were really wonderful. And um, that was the beginning. And we have Brow Studio ever since and Nordstrom's, all Nordstrom's.
0: Oh my incredible. And I know at the time, you know, you had your brow line, but you also had a makeup line back then. So tell me more about that. Cause what I respect about you is you've have self-funded the business, you know, for many, many years. So tell me more about how you thought about saying no to certain opportunities and that phase in your life.
1: That was a fail. And I always talk about this. You always, and everybody wants to talk about successes. But I'm telling you, to get to the success that I have today, I went through many failures. So I launched the makeup line, and I didn't know that in Nordstrom or all the department store, you need to pay for the makeup artist. Well, I thought that, okay, I'm selling you this, and then I could have the money to order more. Well, that's not the case. Number one, you need to sell the products that are on the shelves there and mm-hmm. number two you need to pay the makeup artist well I didn't have the makeup artist so I pulled back the makeup and I kept only the eyebrow products because the aesthetician will be able to sell them eyebrow products so yeah. I lost a lot of money there yeah. but I learned and I moved on yeah. you know.
0: And, you know, it's funny to reflect back and kind of talk about these opportunities. But when you were in it, you know, that money of yours was a lot at the time, right? That you're investing in this makeup. So what did it feel like? Because so many people don't let go of certain opportunities. And I think that's actually a skill set. Like you knew this is not going to work. So let's just maybe cut it out for now. But how did that feel at the time? Of
1: course, it felt painful. (laughs) So much money. You at that time... Not only I was doing eyebrows, but I was flipping houses. I used to oh. to uh, buy a house, remodel the house, live there for two years, and then I will sell it. And the money that I will make, I will put back in the in the company. Yes. So that will help me to carry on to have manufacture the products, to have people working. What can I say? I mean, nobody likes to lose money. No- I realize you will take a chance and you will push as much as you can. But when you feel that it's a dead end, you need to take a cool shower and make a decision and say, okay, this is a loss. Let's go with what is the winner, where
0: mm-hmm. I could win, where, where I could lose. And you didn't get your, your emotions didn't get the best of you. So you made that logical decision, which I think is really powerful and shows a lot of your success. And, you know, you mentioned at this time, you were working, you know, 12 hour days in the salon. I actually didn't know you were flipping houses as well. And with Nordstrom, I know you're two days off. You and I believe your daughter at the time, right? You were flying everywhere. So how did you not get burnout or what did your life look like then?
1: We work all the time, but I loved it. I loved my work and it was tiring. I'm not saying it wasn't tiring, but I think I got all my energy from the clients, from mm-hmm. everyone that loved to, and I, I will tell you, what will, will it didn't matter how hard I work, when I will see a client looking in the mirror and smiling and feeling beautiful, and wow. it, it was everything for me. It mm-hmm. was like, she will give me back all that energy, all that tiredness will, will go away.
0: Gosh, I just get so emotional hearing that because it's true. It's like you would get that energy. And I, I wish that for anyone who's listening because I think you've been doing this for so long. So it's like, what can you be doing in your life that gives you that energy? Because business is tough, right? And that is what allowed you to stay in the game for so long. Business is very tough.
1: You could be at the beginning, you could be in the middle, or you could be on top. It doesn't matter. You show up every day and you have to solve problems. This is what life, if people think that business, it's hard at the beginning and amazing at the end, it's not. It's, I will describe exactly like having a baby. You know, you have the baby, you think, oh, if she did it, I could do it too. You have the baby and think like, oh, my God, I cannot even take a shower. I cannot go to the bathroom. This baby constantly needs attention. And then you think, but when the baby is going to be six years old, five, it's going to be okay. Well, it's not because there are other problems. And then when the baby goes to high school, they are totally teenager. There are other problems. So you constantly are, you have to worry about
0: I love that analogy because it's so true. And you saying, you know, every stage of the business, I'm very early in my business. And for me, it's tough, right? Like there's problems, but like you said, it, it just, the problems grow, right? It's like it like your child grows. Guess what? We'll never stop. Yeah. So
1: problems will be the only thing you could handle everything. You need to love what you do. If you love what you do, gonna feel like nothing, you know, is not, impossible. And, and another important thing is that just have, be prepared and don't stress out. There's no reason to stress out. Like, okay, this is the business. Today, I have five good news and three bad news. Okay, how I will solve those problems. But take it as a business. You know, don't take it personal because it crushes you every time. You will not be able to do this over and over and over.
0: And have you always been not taking it personally or did you have to learn that for yourself? I learned
1: that from myself at the beginning cuz yeah. so I will I will get crushed and then if you get crushed it's harder for you to pull yourself and move forward. Yeah. But if you say, you know what, I'm going to build this imaginary wall and I will not let anything get close to me, I will, I will deal with this as, you know, as a business. Mm -hmm. I think that's the reason why for men, it's easier to take decision to do business than women, because we women, we involve a little more emotions. Mm -hmm. If you could kind of train yourself to to use less of your emotion and and really called kind of take the right decision and look at at the problem in a like neutral way and not be objective as subjective, I think it's a lot easier to take the right decision Mm. and not get affected. That's my experience. I'm not telling anyone. I never like to give advices to anyone. I'm just telling you what I do.
0: Yeah, no. And it's helpful to hear because even, I mean, for me, you know, if I do feel emotional about something, I've realized for myself, I'm not going to make a decision at the time. I'm going to wait a little bit. I'll wait a few hours. And that's been powerful because then I'm neutral again. I'm like, okay, I can see it logically. Like you said. Yes. You know, I'm curious, Anastasia, you know, you, I'm sure you mentor so many women. You've been involved with different businesses. What do you think are some of the mistakes? I know you mentioned a few that maybe women in business are doing.
1: I think it's very difficult to to point on mistakes. I, I still make mistakes. And, and I think making mistakes, it's okay, as long as you study and you don't make twice the same mistake. And when you do a mistake, you learn and it's going to lead you to success, it will get you to a better position that you were when you made that mistake because you remember that yeah. you remember your miss at least i remember my mistakes way more than moments of success <laughs> yes because i don't want to do them twice okay
0: yeah So
1: I think that's very important to kind of remember those and don't
0: ignore them. And it's interesting because if you're not testing and trying new things, and maybe you're not making enough mistakes, like you said, you still make mistakes, right? Oh,
1: absolutely. What
0: was the most recent mistake you've done?
1: Let me tell you something. I learned over the years to not get emotionally affected by things that I do. Of course, I love my moment of success, but I don't lean there and thinking, Oh my God, I'm so successful. You are, I'm so lucky. I'm so this, I'm like, no, I need to go to the next thing that I have to do. Okay. The same with the mistake, like mm. I don't sit here and cry. Oh my God, I did the mistakes. That was terrible. I'm so bad. I'm like, no, I, I don't waste my time because I, time is very precious. So mm. It was a mistake. Okay, let's brush it and let's close that door and move forward and try to do a better job in the future. Yeah. So I think those are incredible moments that I learned over the years.
0: Yeah, and I love that. You just not getting too high on the highs and too low on the lows, like you're even killed. Yes, yes. I try to be kind of in the middle. Yeah, I love that. So I'm going to go back to your story and kind of talk about, you know, you've had some success with the eyebrow line that you guys did. And I know Instagram was massive, right? For your business and took you to an entirely new level. I think you're maybe now like the second largest followed beauty brand on Instagram, even to this date. We were the
1: first beauty brand uh, having a presence and I give credit to my daughter. She was the one that started. She We managed that until 2018, me and her Instagram. Can you believe that? Oh my gosh. I cannot even believe and it. And you
0: have millions of followers. Like people, like that's a lot of work.
1: <laughs> we are very engaged. We believed started, started being very authentic. We started Instagram posts, very authentic. We wanted customer to understand what they like. And I think that that experience that we yeah. had in the salon We work with the customers, you know, it's important for me and my daughter to know what the customer wants, what she likes, what she doesn't like. So we are very customer centric. That connection that we were able to build was priceless. Wow. I loved it. I loved every minute.
0: And how did your daughter, did she have to convince you to go on Instagram? Because it was a very new concept at the time.
1: Yeah, it was very new concept. We were at dinner one time and she was, of course, i like, can we talk about <laughs> like, let's that goddamn phone on like, no, mom, is this new app, Instagram? I think we should have a presence there. It's like, I hate Facebook. I, I don't care how many times people go to Starbucks to get coffee. Like, no, 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 this is not like that. It's like, this is different. We could upload videos or pictures and we don't need maybe to travel that much because we could promote our products and how to use them through Instagram. So for her, it was like, we don't need to travel because she used to complain all the time. 18 years old, 19, and I work like a 45 years old woman. (laughs) So it was really, uh, we posted the first one, it was... Wow. Game changer. Yeah, we realize that it's an incredible vehicle of talking and sharing our products and our knowledge through Instagram.
0: That is incredible. And what, I mean, I'm sure, like, did your business, I mean, I don't want to say overnight, like in the first month, triple, quadruple, like. No, 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 no. it wasn't like that. It took time. Yeah.
1: 12 13 by 14 i think it was exploding wow and we decide to come with to reintroduce the makeup line that Claudia, awesome. my daughter wanted like mom i think we 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 have the audience right now let's launch the makeup line like okay
0: incredible So I know your daughter works with you. So I'd love to get your perspective around, you know, maybe the do's and don'ts of running a family business or working with family. What do you think has worked well for you working with your daughter? And maybe if anything, maybe things that didn't work out well. Well, I
1: think at the beginning, my daughter thought that, ah, she's my mother. I could come late. I could like, no, I fire her. She realized that you have to put some guidelines there like, no, the moment you walk in here or you come to work, this is not mother and daughter relationship. This is I'm your boss and you have to follow the rules. I will be harder on you than every other employees. And Mm -hmm. once she understood that part, I think everything was easier. Of -hmm. course, we fight many times because I mean, we are Romanian. We we are very passionate about it. We need to uh, taught like italians you know yes. like you have to scream everybody think like oh my god they will kill themselves then after the discussion we'll go and have dinner and nothing <laughs> happened <laughs> but this is how romanians are so i love working with my daughter i mean yeah. you could trust more than your mm-hmm. own family and you know she cares and she's passionate about and she has a purpose she loves her my daughter works seven days a week seriously wow she works five days with zooms and meetings and all that in the office and then Usually in weekends, if she doesn't feel film content because she's the creative director, she goes to the lab and she or she flies whatever we manufacture the products and works on the makeup products.
0: Oh my gosh, you must be so proud. She loves it. That's yeah. awesome. I'm I'm laughing because I I worked with my dad for a few years and he was yeah. the toughest on me. Like it what was in insane. Yeah, yes. I'm like, this is exactly. Uh-huh. And like it, at the time, and we're Persian, so we're also very passionate. And yeah. Okay. So yeah. I'm Macedonian,
1: you are Persian. We we have the same culture. I understand totally.
0: Yeah, so I, I could feel what your daughter's going through. And I, I ended up leaving and not working with my dad, but he really, I mean, he was so tough on me, but it really set me up to start my own business. Like I really, it was a tough journey, but it was all for the best. And yeah, it was interesting. So it's cool to see how your daughter also has really like, grown and progressed and you know is working so much and so passionate and is leading the makeup line right I mean she's doing everything there I think
1: my daughter is so smart so talented I don't even find any more words just to compliment her and not because she's my daughter yeah Yeah. like even talking from an outsider she is incredible she doesn't like too much light on her okay She doesn't go out she doesn't go to parties my daughter doesn't like that I mean yeah. at the beginning she we made a deal she's like you are the front I'm behind the scene okay Don't ever ask me to come with you at an award or you know, like people will kill to go to a party like that no no my daughter she doesn't like but she is incredible. She's smart. She knows the business in and out. She has yeah. great intuition. She's so talented and creative. She, mm. She's so creative. I'm very proud. I Many times people will ask me, oh, are you so proud what you built? I think I'm much more proud uh, that my daughter found a purpose in her life. Than then what I build, of course, I'm very proud of what I build. But I think having my daughter, the time of her life that she enjoys, it doesn't matter how hard she works. I have days when I call her and like, <laughs> I take takes a few days off because you work too much. But I remember she was telling me that and I was asking my mom, my mom, why you work so hard? And she would say, because I love it. Yeah. And then my daughter asked me and I told her like, well, when
0: you have kids, they will ask you the same thing. It's true. It's true.
1: The same. I
0: love what I do. You know, one question I also would love to get your thoughts on. You guys have self-funded the business for, gosh, maybe 20 years, a little over 20 years. Can you maybe share more about how you thought about funding the business and when and why you decided to bring on an investor, you know, much later in your journey well,
1: we found the business because when i i mean nobody believed eyebrow is a business oh my gosh nobody will want to invest i remember i used to have friends that are were hedge fund and big ones and we used to go to dinner and like come on invest in my business like yeah <laughs> eyebrows. We are serious business. Oh my gosh. That's <laughs> only in companies that do 500 millions and more. And like okay. So I had to work and to reinvest every profit that I made. Thank God I was uh, good at math and accounting <laughs> myself. And in 2018, we wanted to expand internationally. And that was the time when I knew that we need to bring a company or a partner that has that experience, the international experience, and partner with TPG. Yeah,
0: no, they're great. And I think I was reading, you guys had no CFO until you brought them in. Is that real? Yes, it's real. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So you were managing the books? Yes,
1: we had the accountant, we had a controller, but not CFO. Yeah,
0: that's pretty amazing. Honestly. I'm really good with my money, <laughs> with the numbers. <laughs> it's true, and it's crazy because I think even you know doing some research on you early on, like a bank wouldn't even give you a bank account, or was it a credit card? Credit card, yes. Because wow. I was an
1: immigrant, I didn't have my mother, myself, we didn't have a, a history. So they don't want to, because I'm talking about in 1990, they didn't throw it at you with the credit cards the way they do right now. At that time, you had to have a credit. Your family had to have a credit and somebody, you know, was a little more difficult.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. So what's next for you guys? I know, you know, you partnered with TPG to go global, but what gets you excited right now, whether it's in your life or business? My life is my business, you know? Yeah.
1: Well we want to expand, we want to find ways to market. They are, if you see the the platforms are changing. Yeah. what used to be the magazines, the old, the traditional advertising now is different. Everything mm-hmm. is online with social media and so I like always to be on top to hear, to know what is new you know, there are always stages in business. Okay. Because the time, because the technology, because, and, and I think I want to be part of it. I I need to incorporate that in, in my business.
0: Mm -hmm. Everything that is new. And that's what keeps things exciting and keeps you growing as an individual, right? I love to learn. This is one thing that I have to give
1: myself credit I love to learn from young, from older people, from everyone around me. I love to learn.
0: Yeah. You can see that in your journey and you have a level of curiosity, right? Like you're always wanting to figure things out. Totally.
1: Totally. And if I could do it better, I would love to do that, you know, but I'm very curious person.
0: Yeah. No, for sure. Well, I'd love to end on one last question. You know, from the outside, it looks like you've had just so much confidence in yourself from the beginning. And I'm curious for maybe the women that are listening in who feel like they might not have that confidence as they're hearing you speak, hearing your journey. What are maybe some of the final words of wisdom that you want to leave with them? So
1: my, you ask me, I am going to answer this with the question that you put before, what is my next chapter? Of course, to grow the business more, but I'm really interested in sharing my story with other people just to make them understand that my journey was so difficult. And if I was able to do it, anyone could do it, anyone. Okay. I didn't speak the language. I didn't have money. I didn't know anything. And I was able to get where I am today. You guys, you have everything so much more than I, what I did. Mm -hmm. So you could do it. The only thing you need to have all the time, the confidence, like if she was able to do it, I could do it. So constantly, if you feel like, oh my God, I cannot do this. you, You have to think if Anastasia was able to do it, I could do it too.
0: That was so powerful. It's true, Anastasia. Well, I'm so grateful for you taking the time and sharing your story and being so real about all the different phases. So, thank you for being just such an inspiration to so many people in business and women in business. You're really, you're really incredible. Thank you.
1: Thank you. I wish you all the best, success in everything you want to do, and everyone that is listening. Good luck to all of you. And again, if I was able to do it, you could do it
0: too. Oh, Anastasia. Thank you so much. I feel like I could have talked to you for so much longer, but that was amazing. I mean, your story is just so real and it's like, you've gone through so much in your life that it's true. It's like, if you could do it, why couldn't you do it? It just takes hard work, determination and patience. <laughs> And again, people
1: need to understand, oh, I want to have my own business. Okay, but before you need to figure out, do you really want, are you prepared? Do you want to yeah. put this work? Maybe it would be more comfortable for you to work mm-hmm. in the company. You have a nine to five yeah. And it's easier, you know, but so it's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. You want to be a housewife to take care of the kids. And that's another CEO job that is very, oh, yeah. okay. So I think first is you need to
0: figure out what
1: exactly you want.
0: Yes. Well, thank you, Anastasia. This was a pleasure. It's so wonderful to meet you. Thank you very much.
1: Well, I wish you good luck to all of you.